Blog Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Well, hello there once again. I am so pleased to tell you that at long last, it is time for our parents' panel. Uh, I think we got messed up in September because of a holiday, but we're not messed up today. We have Sharon, Susie, and Peter on today for our first parents' panel of the year. I'm going to bring them all on live right now. Uh, hi, Peter. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Hi, Dr. Green. Susie, how are you? Great. Thanks, Dr. Green. And Sharon, how are you? I'm fine. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so glad we're doing this again. Um, I get so many compliments on the parents' panel from people. Um and so today we get to start it up again. Now, I've got a few things on my mind, but I always start by asking you all if you have anything on your mind. Uh, what do you got going, Sharon? Anything? Um, well, uh, starting off a fairly, I mean, you know what? I look at things day to day and week to week. And the past few weeks, I think, have been good. My um, son has applied online for a job at a local grocery store and is waiting to hear and um, has been more concerned about his hygiene, which is good. So, um, you know, little things make me happy. I don't expect everything, but, you know, every any day that there's one positive step, I'm happy. So right now things seem to be okay. Well, what you just said is totally consistent with what might, if I have my way, be our theme of the day. But I don't, you know, I'm only one of four players here, so I don't know if I'm going to get my way today. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Susie, what do you have on your mind today? Well, we certainly want you to get your way, Dr. Green. Um, You know, this is collaborative problem solving (laughs) where... um, He shouldn't always get his way. (laughs) I don't always get my way. I sort of get my way. Well, today we want you to get your way. (laughs) Really? Yes. Except, except, recently something happened in my own backyard that's become a national story, and I'd be very interested in what Dr. Green, the panel, and the audience think of it. Well, now this doesn't have anything to do with your new. This doesn't have anything to do with your new puppy dog, does it? No, Dr. Green, it doesn't. Um, A young teenager recently took his own life following years of bullying by fellow students. And it seems to me that CPS has an important role to play in preventing this kind of tragedy. And I would be interested in what you think. 
You'd be interested in what I think? In what you think and what Peter and Sharon would think, and if the audience has any um, thing to say about it. Well, I think we're going to – well, we have to hear what Peter has to say, but that is a um, very sobering reminder of the uh, tragic consequences of not being on top of the bullying issue and potentially – I'm not speaking to that situation specifically, but potentially a sobering wake-up call related to how we go about dealing with so-called bullies right now and the degree to which it's actually effective. But let's um, let's see what Peter's got on his mind, and then we'll have to you know, collaboratively decide where to start. Well, we've had a huge change this summer in my family. We moved uh, 3,500 kilometers to the west. We went from eastern Canada to western Canada, and we actually drove that whole distance in our cars over the summer. And then we've had to uh, start new jobs, and my kids started in two different new schools. And actually things are going quite well. Uh, in spite of all the changes and all the demands for change, uh, things are going quite well. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. I'm trying to imagine, um, you know, I know that at least one of your kids is challenging. It doesn't really matter how challenging a kid is. I'm trying to imagine driving 3,500 kilometers with kids in the car. It's not... <laughs> well, the secret is to take two cars. <laughs> yeah. Two cars. We had them I separated. I thought you were going to say Benadryl, but that's actually not funny. No, we had them separated. It's a and little funny. We had, walkie, we had walkie-talkies in the cars so that they could talk you to each other. Oh, little walkie-talkies. Oh, wow. So they were they were in constant communication with one another, and they were having just a great time. And they built these little forts inside the back of the car. They strung a piece of uh, string from the um, the part where you have the dry cleaning hanging, and they hung a, a just a blanket over it. And so they had this little mini movable fort. The forts are something they love to make, and and they just they would look outside the window every so often, and they knew what was going on around them. But they had they they really enjoyed the trip. And when the trip was over, they wanted it to continue. So. I think it was quite successful that way. We had our difficult moments when it came to unpacking and packing up to stay at hotels and that, but but mostly the the drive was was happy and uneventful. Wow, excellent! Um, you are the envy of many other parents who've taken thirty five hundred kilometer journey. <laughs> I love. And we did it without any idea. any television. We sometimes people have the DVD players, but they. They really enjoyed uh, just watching the scenery go by. That's impressive. Great. That's great. We, we, yeah, we made a conscious choice not to to uh, give them too much uh, multimedia. Well, and sort of, you, I mean, that's the epitome of being proactive. These are, you know, you didn't wait until there were problems in the car before you decided what you were going to do about them. It sounds like you had some sense that 3,500 kilometers of togetherness might have its moments of... Um, not going so well, and it sounds like you prepared for it in advance, which is a major key. Yeah, we sure we sure did. I think the mo- the thing I'm most excited about is the the uh, the kids settling into schools. Um, the older one is going to a local neighborhood school, which is about a three minute walk away, and that's not something that we've been able to experience before. We uh, both children were going to a school where we had to drive them in our 
in 519ville where we lived before and in our new place in 403ville they um they can walk to school like at least at least the older one can and what we're noticing is there's a large number of kids um who are just dropping in to say hello so we're uh, the older one is experiencing a lot of play dates so socially he's grown just in the last few weeks a lot um and then the school itself is really really um well, their whole approach seems to be collaborative, and I was really excited about that. For example, they said at the beginning of the year, they said, we're not sure what the um, the field trips will be yet. Here's a kind of a rough outline what our field trips are. But as we learn more about the children and as we learn more about what their interests are, we're going to adapt the field trips to really take advantage of what they want to do. So they, they really have uh, made an effort to be quite um, receptive to... Um, listening to the children, and then adapting their programming to meet their needs. As long as it can tie into the uh, the curriculum, they'll find some link, and then they'll, they'll just take advantage of the interest. So that's been, that's been really good. Outstanding. So now we have to decide, we can probably do both today, but we have to decide whether we're going to start with the bullying tragedy uh, in the Buffalo, New York area, and Buffalo's schools have actually been in the news a fair amount lately. Um, and Susie's been w- keeping me abreast of that by sending me articles, which is fantastic. Um, but Buffalo's actually been in the national news be- just because of the rates of suspensions of uh, elementary school kids that made the national news. Then, of course, these things tend to leave the national news and stay alive in the local news where Buffalo still has to figure out what it's going to do with behaviorally challenging kids besides suspending them from school. Um, The more you suspend, the more you suspend, quite frankly, since suspension doesn't solve any problems or teach behaviorally challenging kids any lagging skills. We could start there, or we could start with what uh, Sharon was talking about, which is sort of the um, one week at a time, um, what's your definition of success theme, does our uh, parents' panel have any strong preference in one direction or the other? No. No, either is fine. You want me to pick? Yes, you can pick. Yes, please. Wow. Mm-hmm. I am blown away. Let's, let's start with uh, what Susie was talking about, and then we'll move on to... Because, Sharon, what you were talking about came up recently um, in in my work, and it's an important piece of work um, in terms of the perspective parents of behaviorally challenging kids need to have when their kids aren't on the same pace in in some realms as other kids and how we get okay with that. But let's start with what Susie brought into the discussion. Susie, do you want to fill in? Many people who listen to this program may actually not be aware of – it's hard to – what's gone on in Buffalo has been with the bullying situation was and continues to be in the national news, but want to fill us in a little bit? I'll try my best. Um, Last month, after uh, years of being tormented uh, throughout middle school and starting now with high school, uh, this, I believe he's 14 years old, took his own life, and he had made um, 
people at the school aware that he was being bullied. Um, and obviously the help that he needed wasn't provided. Um, there have, well, and then I just have to add, um, there was the uh, high school dance, the uh, homecoming dance, the night of the wake for this kid. Um, and the daughter, I'm sorry, the kid's sister was encouraged to go to the dance after the wake just to keep her mind off of the pain and, and the horror of it all. Um, and while she was at the dance, somebody uh, was bullying her. Now, this particular kid who was bullying the sister has been suspended, But and there was a meeting last night. I'm sorry, I haven't read the paper yet today, but um, as of last night, there had been no, you know, the school system is investigating, and, and there have not been any suspensions, punishments, um, or anything else related to his suicide. So the two things that that raises mm-hmm. for me are, are kids more cruel to each other than they used to be? Or is it about the same? Mm-hmm. Question 1B is, does the fact that there are now, that technology now offers other, sometimes more covert ways to be mean Mm-hmm. and to be cruel, has that changed the playing field as dramatically as many people think it has? And then number two, um, are bullies really um, that much different from any other kid with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges? Um, and I've written about this in the real world on the Lives in a Balance website, basically saying I don't think bullies are much different. I think that calling them predators misses the point. I think that they are lacking skills and that bullying, whatever that means, is um, the manifestation of those lagging skills, just like other kids do other things as the manifestation of their lagging skills. So I don't really put bullying in any different of a category. But um, I'm curious about you all's sense about question number 1A, which is, are kids crueler and meaner to each other than ever? Well, I'm going to start because I think that because of Facebook and text messaging and all of these ways that kids connect now, um, they have a tendency to be able to be crueler and meaner without ever, without having to do it in person. They become they're cowards because they can do it in the privacy of their own home at their computer, and they can just put any information that they want for anyone's public viewing. And, you know, no one has to, they don't have to look anyone in the eye. So I think it's easier to be that kind of a bully, a silent bully in a way. And, um, I mean, it's just it's a major problem in our society, what's going on with that. So that's, that's how I feel about that. Peter, Susie, what do you think? 
Maybe I'll jump in next. I, I think that um, the I see my older son bullying my younger son, and I see it um, mostly that he just lacks certain social skills of empathy, or not not necessarily empathy, but he doesn't have the social skills developed yet. And so I think a, a large part of bullying is, is uh, undeveloped skills. Uh, but I do agree that um, with the social networking, it puts a lot more pressure than before because there's less time to uh, reflect and the comments do seem to be more um, more intense. There, people, when they email, they tend to have a different um, persona than when they speak out in public, so the, 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 the comments can be more intense and there's less time in between comments. And it also, kids tend to be more uh, anxious about social networking uh, we've made a conscious decision for our grade four child to not introduce the computer until a little bit later, until some of the, the skills have developed, because we are concerned about um, his anxiety over what other people think. And he, he does worry about what other people think, and it would be just compounded by um, having the social network um, in place, where, where one comment comes in and, and there's there's virtually no time before another one, and people can just build up a bandwagon so quickly. Susie, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that kids are so much meaner now to each other. I think that, like you said, Dr. Green, technology makes it, um, the kids are more unsupervised and they can uh, do this more anonymously. Um and they can reach more people. Yes. Well. Yeah, that's true, Sharon. With one little uh, message, you can, you know, a thousand people can find out about one poor kid in one, like click a, of a, one click of a mouse. Like a domino effect, yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think the, the one of the things about CPS that I just really admire is it's put me in a place that I'm able to kind of think of the aggressive person, the, quote, bully, and put myself in their shoes. And if you go through the ALSEP, it just, you know, lights right up with the different lagging skills. Um, I think that what was the second part of the question, please? Are they whether well whether technology yeah is um, making this easier? And it sounds like we're yeah. all agreeing. Technology yeah. makes it more possible to be covertly cruel. One mm-hmm. um, A was our kids crueler than ever. And it was Absolutely. Part, Absolutely. They're crueler well, the than ever. Might be, yeah, I think I they're definitely crueler than ever. Because they have, first, you know what? It's 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 a different generation of kids. It's baby boomer kids that are spoiled uh, for the most part, and not you know necessarily spoiled in a bad way, but they've given they've been given so many things and so many opportunities, and um, you know that I think when you when you have an easier time with things or an easier life and you have things given to you, um, 
you don't, you're not brought up, or, you know, the values are different. I mean, I think a lot of parents are not working on the family values um, that I know I grew up with and that I, I try to work with my kids. Um, I think if parents spent more, you know, parents are working. It's a busier life. You have two family members working. The kids are home by themselves. They're left on their own a lot. And, I mean, all sorts of things compound and, and cause um, cause these things. But those are the, those are some of them. I mean, years ago, you know, the mom was at home with the kids. Um now there's not a lot of guidance with younger kids. They stay at after school. They go home. Both parents work. And, you know, there's not a lot of attention paid to what the kids are doing, especially on the computer or on the telephone. So, I mean, it's it's definitely a different world. I've come to the age where, like, I'm getting older now, and I, I see the, the changes and the differences. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as sure that kids are crueler than ever. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't have the perfect beat on that. I'm trying to think back to when I was a kid, and I'm trying to think about cruel kids. And um, I have definitely experienced firsthand some cruel kids. I actually don't know anybody who hasn't. But it was more like the school of, bully, wasn't it? Um. Not, in the not, necessarily. not necessarily, I mean, right. The, the school had bullies, but right. um, the school also just had kids who picked up on differences. And this is the part I don't see as being that different. Uh, I mean, no, I'm not. I think that kids notice each other's differences and uh, observe them in a way that is either cruel and, you know, demeaning or critical, or they just observe them. Um, But I was certainly, I I never spent any part of my life thinking that I was bullied in childhood, but I can certainly reflect on things that people gave me a hard time about. Uh, I'm short in uh, height, and they noticed that, Um. So there's things that people, kids notice differences, I guess, but whether things are crueler now than ever, um, that I'm less certain about, but I think that kids have been noticing each other's differences, adults do too, forever. The question that that raises, though, let's, let's go with the hypothesis that kids are crueler. The next question becomes, why might that be? And is the way we try to keep kids from bullying each other going to fix that? And um, I think that if kids are crueler, my definition of cruel is what you all were saying. Um, Lack of empathy, difficulty taking the perspective of another person. And I'm just wondering if sort of as a society we are just less empathic toward each other than ever. Um, That part would concern me greatly because I have a slight vibe that that actually may be true. And whether, Sharon, the things that you've noticed that have changed in society that uh, account for that change in the way people treat each other, 
I'm not positive about that. I know that there are lots of programs in schools that are related to community building and how we treat each other, um, and that those have not necessarily been in place forever. That They weren't in place. I didn't go through any community building when I was in grade school or any part of my sort of uh, secondary schooling. So those are a relatively recent phenomenon. But I also know that we are putting much more pressure on kids and their teachers to be almost solely focused on academic achievement and getting over the high-stakes testing bar. So, you know, those are two interesting developments that are um, sort of contrary to each other. We're saying to kids, get over the bar. We're saying to teachers, get them over the bar, or this will reflect not only poorly on you as an educator but poorly on your school. But we're simultaneously implementing lots of community-building programs, well or poorly, I guess my general vibe, though, is that humans are becoming increasingly less empathic, though I'm not even so sure I believe that. What do you all think? Hmm. Well, no, that you certainly have a good point. I mean, I live in a community where they do a lot of um, uh, disability awareness uh, in the elementary schools, which is very positive. Um but you know what? When kids get to middle school, that's when they start to uh, really separate um, and figure out who they are as they start hitting puberty. And that's when they start changing. And I think um, there's not a lot of programming when you get to that age and then when you get into the high school. So what they've been taught in elementary school doesn't necessarily carry forward uh, I mean, it all depends on where you live, too. It's 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 all different. I mean, um, I think that, uh, I, I mean, I think it, a lot has to do with the home. I mean, I know, I mean, I had my, one of my sons was bullied. Kids that bullied him were from families that were going through difficulties. So these kids were kids that were troubled themselves and um you know we're taking it out on my son and other kids so i certainly understand what you say about kids lacking skills you know bullies necessarily lacking skills but it's also bully kids that don't know how to redirect their anger and hostility that they have from somewhere and so they direct it on people that can't defend themselves i mean isn't that what a bully is in a way well um I guess it depends on your definition of a bully. I guess not a definition, but, you know, I mean, I they have to be angry things, to do things like that. Well, one of the things the research tells us is that many bullies were bullied. Mm -hmm. Right, um, so you practice what you know or you, you continue. I guess. Hmm. So, I don't know. Well, I guess the next question is is what we do to bullies, which is, which is often rather punitive. Is that Correct. what bullies? That what bullies mostly need from us? It's basically uh, framing the bully as a predator, right? Um, instead of teaching him. Correct. If a bully is lacking, and this is my belief, and so I'll just declare myself right now, but this this is highly predictable for me. Um, bullies are lacking skills just like kids who do other things that are not in keeping with our expectations are lacking skills. 
those lagging skills are especially obvious when they're being demanded by the environment. I think I hear the new puppy dog. Uh, that's not my house. Oh. I thought um, it was your house. It is not my house. I'm in my office. Oh. Um, not my house. I'm not admitting it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the 12-year-old dog who's barking because the postman brings him a treat. Aw. <laughs> Okay. Well, he's adding flavor to the program. If a exactly. bully is lacking the skills of empathy, perspective taking, how one's behavior is affecting other people, and I think empathy is huge, then is the punitive way in which we often treat bullies going to get the job done? And I've, you know, it's quite clear that if I present it that way, that the answer is no. But what do you all think? I agree with that. I agree as well. Yep, and I and I I just wanted to say that, you know, in some ways schools even more important than the parent piece need to be educated to look out for this. Um that schools need to help identify and teach the lagging skills because we can't do anything about a kid's family problems or his socioeconomic level or a variety of other things. But if if schools can learn that the standardized test and algebra and reading are important, but just as important, you want to teach one another how to cooperate, how to stick up for somebody who's being picked up, picked on and to do the right thing and start that at a very early age um i think that's that would be a helpful thing to do and the interesting thing is we do do that the community building programs teach kids try to teach kids empathy try to teach kids that to be concerned about others it's interesting. I watch my son's hockey, excuse me, soccer teammates interact with each other. Sometimes they'll go out for lunch. This happens in hockey, too. And I watch them giving each other a hard time, which is sort of the norm. Mm-hmm. Not like they're all sitting around saying to each other, um, Billy, how did that kick feel for you? Um, <laughs> right. How did it feel that you missed the net completely and could have won the game for us but didn't? They're not doing that. Um, They are giving each other a hard time. It's sort of the norm. What I'm noticing is that, and this is related to the bullied as well, bullies go overboard, and the bullied handle it less well. So the interesting thing is I think that we are, and of course this is not blaming the victim, it's just saying that my observation is that there are some kids who handle the apparently normal joshing back and forth, and of course that's not what bullying is. Bullying is not the normal joshing back and forth. But it's clear that some people handling the normal 
giving each other a hard time better than others. And the kids who don't handle that very well and don't have the skills to handle that very well are vulnerable. And that the bullies are going way overboard and are lacking other skills, empathy, perspective-taking, how am I coming across? Mm-hmm. So you have a interesting little dynamic there. Two to tango still applies to bullies and the bullied. And if we are viewing this through the prism of predator and victim, does that get us as far as we would like? Is that Are those the, the lenses that will be most productive? And then secondly, um, is it, are we teaching anybody any skills or solving any problems when we have those lenses on? And the answer is no. What, what's happened in many states is states have mandated that each school system have an anti-bullying program, but in most states they've given them no guidance whatsoever on what a anti-bullying program should look like. So number one, good intentions. We don't want kids being bullied. So that's you know that's fantastic. And then number two, um, if we don't give people guidance on who bullies and the bullied are and what's really going on with them, we will leave them to their own devices, and we shouldn't be surprised if the anti-bullying program bears tremendous resemblance to the school discipline program that we're using to address all the other behavioral challenges poorly. Dr. Green, have you seen any anti-bullying programs that have been effective? Um, I've seen anti-bullying programs that I am more keen on than others. Um, You know, effectiveness is an interesting animal because there's um, ways of handling behaviorally challenging kids that the research says are effective. And I've even implemented some of those. And it all depends a great deal on what it is that you mean by effective, what your definition of working is. Um, So, yeah, there's anti-bullying programs that that research says is effective, but um, but I guess the way I think, unless you're identifying unsolved problems and teaching kids the skills that they're lacking – then I'm often skeptical about what it what people mean when they say that any particular program, whether it's anti-bullying or not, is effective. Let's spend a few minutes. We may carry this discussion into the next parents panel program. Um, Sharon, you said something at the beginning of the program about taking it day by day. Yeah. Um, keeping track of your successes. Had an interesting conversation with a parent recently, a parent of a behaviorally challenging kid, about what it means to be successful when you have a behaviorally challenging kid. And among the points that were being made were, A, when you have a behaviorally challenging kid, it's often not what you envisioned for yourself and your relationship with a child before you had kids, often not even close to the vision. The the next, of course, if it's not close to your vision, the question then becomes, all right, so what do you do with your vision if 
the hand you've been dealt, the, the behaviorally challenging kid that you're parenting, isn't going to come close to that vision. Now what happens to your vision? How do you, how do you deal with that? How do you reconcile that? Um, and then number two, how do you come to a different definition of what it means to be successful as a parent? And Sharon, what you said at the beginning of the program says that you've um, gotten over the hump possibly in both realms. Um, you've got a different definition of success, uh, I think, than some parents do. What do you think of that? Well, you're absolutely right. But it's something that I deal with on a regular basis. It's not like I've gotten over it. I have to, you know, due to working with you, you know, for the years that we work together, um, I think you just have to, you know, you go through a period of mourning where you realize your life is not with this, you know, child is not going to be like every other. You're not going to uh, mark the same uh, advances that other kids um, their age mark things are going to be different um, and you know what I always I always have to think of that that's always in the back of my mind um, as much as I um, think that I'm over the hump so I, I am but I always there's always something that brings me back that makes me sad every now and then but you know you really have to move forward and appreciate you know, one day when you have a great day, then you're happy at the end of the day, and it's a great day. So the next day, you know, might not be great, but you know that there'll be another good day in the future, and, and you have to always uh, think of it that way. And um, you know, and you also have to know what you're, what you've been dealt with, what what it is, and your expectations, and they can't be so high that you're disappointed. So that's why if you have a, a good day or a good week or, you know, things, you know, my child, you know, showers, you know, three days in a row, I'm I'm thrilled and those little things, you know, make me happy and I've learned to accept um, that as something that is positive and good and um, I, I take it from there. Peter or Susie, want to weigh in? Yeah, I think yeah. I couldn't have survived uh, having two challenging children if I didn't repeat your, um, which I've now adopted as my mantra, that children do well if they can. And despite the frustrations and the slips backwards, um, I think Dr. Green would say progress is progress, and every day I hold my breath for my daughter. Um, you just don't know how the day is going to turn out, and every day that she makes it to school is is a plus. And I think one thing that's really come to help me is you're, is accepting that you're going to have your bad days, and it might even be more than one. But eventually the dust settles, and, you know, tomorrow is better. And it's really hard to keep your perspective when you're in the middle of this. But 
just realizing that if indeed you are trying to do plan B and and plan C with your child, things do get better. That's all. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know what? You're not making your expectations too high. You no, know, but you set the bar high. But Sharon, but you're also not making them too low either. It, oh, you're it, right. It, it's a tough call. Yeah. It's a judgment call, and and it's it's just sometimes situation by situation. I mean, it, it's it's very difficult. It is very difficult. I, I mean, boy, I, I used to sit by the telephone, I mean, all the time waiting for the phone to ring from the school, you know, right. which happened like three or four times a week. So, yeah. you know, it was uh, that was what my life was. So, you know, I'm in a different place now, and, you know, I'd like things to be better. I'd like, you know, my son to be more self-sufficient. I'd like him to have a job. I'd like him to be happy. What I like, what I like, what I like, but I have to realize it's also baby steps. Right, and look at the direction it's going in. You know, so... It's, Which is fabulous. I mean, you know what? It could reverse in, in yes. a week. Who knows? Yes. Right now, it's good. So you just have to enjoy it when it is and, and feel good right. about it. it and recognize that there are going to be backslides, but, you know, Back. two steps backwards sometimes and three steps forward. That's right. Absolutely. I wonder if every parent, well, I think I know this, doesn't every parent have the challenge? To, I think some parents get away with not having to think about this. Parents of challenging kids really can't get away with not thinking about who is my kid, what are they capable of, what are my expectations, because the price that parents of behaviorally challenging kids pay if they get the expectations wrong, is um, higher um, because of what behaviorally challenging kids do when there's a mismatch between what they can do and the expectations that are being placed upon them. But um, you both have other kids, Peter too, and isn't the task exactly the same? And that is to say, what is my kid capable of doing? What are my expectations? Um, what am I going to do if my expectations are not being met? What works with this child? What does What's my definition of success for this particular child? Um, and the hard part, the hardest part, I think, is having an external reference point. And, I agree uh, with that. This is really hard, which is saying, um, look at what these other people's kids are doing. Peter, why don't you jump in if you want I can I can share an experience with you. Our our older son is having reading difficulties, and we've discovered that a large part of his challenging behavior is due to lang- lagging language skills, and so he's not at the same reading level or communication level as some of his peers. But on the other hand, when we've relaxed that, um, we, we used to try to get him to read more, and that was placing a demand on him that he just wasn't ready to to meet, and that there was a lot of challenging behavior as a result of that demand. But we've found um, ways to, we've we kind of relaxed a little bit, and we're just trying to find other ways to have him express his learning. Um, one of the things that this new school is doing is, is having him um, draw more. 
And so as he's drawing more, his confidence is going is, is improving, and he's starting to uh, create cartoons. And then they're working in the uh, the reading and the writing through the cartoon writing. And so he's he's doing some storyboarding and things like that. So by I guess we're we're just following his lead, and um, our our fixed expectations were unrealistic, but we weren't taking advantage of his uh, innate skills. And by doing that, by by really recognizing what he was really good at, some of those other lagging skills are starting to come to the forefront. And he's finding that they're keeping him from producing his best work, and he wants to to build those lagging skills up himself because he. Peter, wants to we're going to let you have. We're going to let you have the last word today because we're about to run out of time. Uh, that's I, I guess uh, comes on. My last word is that follow your children. Thanks, parents panel, for being on today. Look forward to having them on again next week. Take care.